Stupid fucked up, wicked high Don't you ever just wonder why We didn't learn the true history But now they're about to teach you and me Oh, 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 oh. high story Well, hey there, friend. Hi. How's the desert? That was so campy. I was trying to, like, come up with some really campy response to that. Like, oh, all is swell here in the desert. I'm just running through cacti. And, you know, you just but- have to create, like, an alter ego for yourself while you're there. I feel like her name would be, like, Genevieve Flowers. Ooh, Genevieve. Genevieve or Genevieve? No. Soft G. Genevieve. And what I need to do is I need to straighten my hair and middle part it, and I'll be Genevieve. When's the last time you straightened your hair? It's been some days. It's been years, probably, since I straightened my hair. I used to straighten my hair the night before school and then go to bed with it if I slept with it in a ponytail on the very top of my head and only did it twice instead of the classic three-time twist to keep it nice yep, and tight. Mm-hmm, I feel you. If I let it go in the morning, it was straight and it had body wow. and it would be straight for... I could keep it straight for days, dude. I had really good hair. So welcome to Liv's Hair Tips, how to take care of some good, good hair. I think I'm going to write a blog about like what it was like to be a dumb white bitch with dreadlocks for five that years. That might be... Yeah, I don't know. Just, like, for honestly, for myself, like, I would share it with our fans because I don't care. I'm an open book and an entertainer. But maybe as, like, a personal growth experience. I think I just need to write about it because it did make me feel all types of way. And this stage of it all is, like, the not feeling feminine, Mm -hmm. just blatant hatred of my general head shape. And I hate wearing hats is the other thing. This is the interesting thing, though, is that you're identity what you're telling me is rooted in your long hair so now you need to figure out where your femininity is coming from because you can't always have i hid behind those dreads so hard oh yeah they were always the conversation starter they were always the attractor now nobody talks to me about my hair and i'm like now you get to come to terms with your true self i'm gonna be honest that's like the biggest reason why i think about like cutting my hair because like whenever people are like oh my god your hair is perfect I'm like, I'm going to fucking shave it off. It's a very humanizing situation. That's all I have to say. You know, just like, so that's maybe what you're dealing with right now is that you are technically so much more than your hair, but people were only recognizing you for that. I need to reference Lady Gaga's song, Hair, right now. I need to listen to it and like sing it in the shower. Oh, yeah. Let it move you. Let it teach you some ways. Cool. Hey everyone, this is Untold History. Welcome to our just high rants. From Arizona and Minneapolis. So I just, this will be a little fun welcome in. Let's open up our phones right now and read the temperature to each other. And not the real temperature, I want to know the feels like. Oh yay, I like this. You picked a good day. It hasn't been this warm this late at night in a couple days. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, it feels like 68 degrees, but I'm just going to tell you that the high today was 73. Feels like negative 18 here, and the high was zero. So, just a little perspective on where we're at. That's a bad day in Minnesota. Oh, fuck, I don't miss that. I do not miss that. I'm sorry. Whew. Well, wait, are we going to do this thing? Yeah, I think you went first. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're just joining it, this is high story. You know what we do. We get stoned. We talk about dope shit in history, mainly women-centered. Mm-hmm. We're just talking to each other. This is about fun. This is about entertaining one another, really. You just happen to get 
to listen. Also just like learning some stuff. I feel like I stopped learning things after I graduated college. I don't know if anybody else feels like that, but that's how I feel. But this is the thing. In high school, you learn things, you just don't, I don't think you learn the right things. Well, that and I I don't even think I retained any. No! I, say I was that. too worried about where I was going to get the money for my buckle flare jeans. Like, I was not thinking about Stop. You own buckle flare jeans? It was true. And once you see me now in my like, no bra tie-dye glory, you would be very shocked to know that I wore buckle jeans with the bedazzle booty and all low rise. You're trying to skirt the fact that in high school you looked like Snooky. <laughs> we'll release photos of that with this episode just as a treat because if you've stuck with us this long, you deserve to see me looking like motherfucking Snooky. The Snooky phase. It was good. I have to admit. We had the whole crew is the thing oh and we used God. to get together on Thursdays and watch Jersey Shore. And then reenacted it in someone's basement. That was declined. I heard they had a reunion show going on, like, right now. What? Yeah, but now they all, like, have kids and shit. I want to, like, guilty pleasure watch that. Yeah, so with the classic photos of our topics that we'll post with this episode, we will also post live... Looking like motherfucking Snooky. Yeah. We'll just do some throwbacks. Some high school okay. throwbacks. If I'm posting that picture, you know what fucking picture you're posting. And it's the one of you at prom looking like a motherfucking mermaid. My dark dyed hair and I went and got a spray tan. You have to. Oh man, high school. Good times. Wow. But no, did you go first during the brunch special? I or? want you to go first because I want to end with my girl because she's so cool. She deserves the ending. Pretty sure. Why should she go first? Well, no, I'm pretty Pretty sure this is like, I'm having days off of it because, disclaimer, we've already recorded this episode, but Abby was so high she forgot to hit record. So we're recycling our topics because we saved the scripts and we knew that there was going to be a week when it was so fucking cold. And busy that we just physically couldn't do anything. Oh, I've just been depressed and fucking sad and cold. You've been busy as fuck. Yeah, I can't even say I've been depressed because I've been like out in the sunshine every day and like doing school work. But yeah, so... Do you want me to go first? Was that your deja vu saying I should go first or you should go first? No, I think I go first and then you go because I think your person is better than mine. Well, you go. Let's hear it. Do you need to hit the bong? I don't think I need to smoke this bong anymore, but I'm fucking... (laughs) I'm telling you about Timmy Jean Lindsay. Remember this? It's the first woman who got her breasts augmented. (gasps) This is a good story. It's short. It's very short. I thought about this topic the other day. Okay, I'm happy because I forgot a lot about this, but I want to hear more. My sources include mostly farewellhealth.com, a YouTube video by this dude named Mark Domansky, MD, from Bluemont Plastic Surgery, and then this dude named Dr. Boley, who is from Portland. On his website, he has little tabs that are like, about me, contact us, history of plastic surgery, and it actually had a ton of good information in it, so Props cool. to that. She was born in 1932, and she's the first woman to undergo plastic surgery for breast augmentation in the U.S. She has six kids. She has six children at 29. You think you've been busy. Sounds exhausting. Yeah. She originally went into this doctor because she wanted to get a tattoo removed from her chest. Okay. Okay. So she's a mom. She has this tattoo. She is 29. She's just a little bit older than us. And she's got this titty tat. Wait, what year is this? In the 60s? 62. Okay, so she goes in. She wants this tattoo removed. She meets with these doctors. Yeah. But these doctors are like, listen, we know you want this tattoo removed, girl, but... 
we got a little counter offer for you. We're doing a clinical trial and you can get your titties done. What? Bigger. Showing her all these pictures. Enticing her. Totally selling it. At the time, they were developing the silicone implant. So that's what they were looking to trial out on her. Okay. And they were looking for volunteers to undergo the surgery. So there's no compensation. It's not like a traditional medical trial that you would think of right now in that you sign up and you get paid. What you get is a free set of titties. Wow. So were there more people after her that were asked? They were in groups, just like any medical trial. Like when my mom had her reconstructive surgery, Mm -hmm. I think 300, 350 people that had had that procedure done. And she was told that straight out of the gate, but it's very, very, very new. But without those people who were willing to take the risk, you know, it'll never become a new medical practice, is basically. I mean, new boobies, but ooh, that's a risk. And they sold it. They were like, be a part of history. This is so cool. Like, you can be a part of this whole thing. And you'll have big, beautiful, perky boobs. Well, but you have to think about it. She's a stay-at-home mom in the 60s. She's probably not married to the best husband, or they weren't that engaging at the time. And she was probably like, I need to look like a sexy babe. It's the era of love, Right? Yeah. Everybody's naked. She's like, I need the hourglass figure. Yeah. My boobs are too small. So she gets the surgery. She agrees. By all medical terms, she had a relatively successful surgery, as quoted by her doctor. Good. 50 years later, she still had the original silicone implants, which is rare even for today. So, like, silicone titties pop all the time. What? If you live a very active lifestyle, you know what I mean? Like, she had 50 fucking years. She had the same silicone implants. That seems, like, scary. Are they, oh god, what are they doing to you? She reported general satisfaction with the procedure, despite chronic pains and the other concerns, quote-unquote, that she had over the course of the years, like, following her recovery, basically. She never joined the groups of women. Groups! Of women, including several of her own fucking relatives. Ladies in her family saw that she had a successful procedure and were like, I want a free set of tips. Sign me the fuck up. Then they were having all of these issues and complications and they're forming these support groups. They would like file fucking lawsuits. And she was like, fuck that. I live with the chronic pain. She basically was like, it's fair. Because like, I got new titties and they treat me good. Whatever. I'm not going to join your group to be against this. Although she reported having experienced many of those. How pro- in like, the world can she be so loyal to those doctors if she's like dealing with shit like that? I have a theater degree, but like, it's got to be a psychological. Almost like a Stockholm thing. I don't know. I don't care how great my titties look. If I started having some severe issues, I'd be like, you fucking pay me compensation or fix She me. just was like... That's what happens when you get your titties done for free. That's the price you pay. <laughs> oh my god. Ah. So then I just have a little bit of fun facts about plastic surgery in general, which I didn't know fucking any of this, so I'm just going to go on down the list. The term plastic surgery comes from the Greek word plastic tech, oh. or what that translates directly to in English is the art of modeling or sculpting. So the practice dates back to approximately 800 BC in India, where forehead flaps were utilized to reconstruct amputated noses. Oh, wow. So they had this fucking procedure in literally ancient Greece where they would cut out a piece of someone's forehead if they cut off a nose or were missing a nose. And recreate the nose. Oh my god! It's one of the oldest types of healing treatments. It came from, like, necessity. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, we need to fix this. 
It wasn't about beauty. It wasn't like to make yourself feel better. Yeah. It was pretty much like, you're missing a part of your jaw. We got to get your jaw from somewhere and fix it. Yeah. Skin grafts, essentially for like burns, are one of the oldest recorded. First evidence was in Egypt, 3000 BC. That's insane. Suturing and nose work were done on people all the time. So like they would stitch people up with stitches and do things with people's nose i don't that's know that's so crazy to think about that that long ago with so little well so time. think about it they back then they definitely had wounds and shit and like warfare yeah there's all these natural things that they were probably doing that no one ever knows about there's also really early records of it happening in india like as of 600 bc so they lean more towards utilizing other parts of the body to fix issues Rather than, exactly like you said earlier, rather than enhancement and using fake shit, i.e. silicone. There's records in medieval England, too, of fucking cleft palate surgeries. In the 17th and 18th century in Europe, that's when they started using other materials to fix things. Like head plates, screws in the bones. (laughs) They basically got really aggressive with it and were like, hey, we can use saws to amputate shit. We can use screws to put people's bones back together. We can put plates in people's fucking heads. Damn. Bro, this definitely was a high note. I was like, and you gotta think there's no anesthesia at this time. Yikes. Plastic surgery solves the problem and provides an emotional reaction for the patient, which can often encourage healing. So that's like the premise of plastic surgery today is kind of what they stand behind about human empowerment it's not just fixing nowadays but also making one look better slash more natural to themselves yeah one of the earliest attempts at surgically augmenting the breasts occurred in the late 19th century when a german surgeon transferred a lipoma basically took a fatty benign lump out of this lady and put it where her titties would be and, like, acted like it was an implant. Wow. Yeah, he did it in order to avoid asymmetry after removing a tumor from her other breast. After that dude did that, there's also records of people injecting random materials into their titties, we'll say. Inside my boobies? Yeah, like petroleum jelly, olive oil. Others tried to implant a host of foreign substances into the breast to enhance them, including sponges and polythene tape wound into balls. That's not going to get infected. Unsurprisingly, these methods did not have favorable outcomes. (laughs) Oh my god. So breast augmentation surgery now, as we see it in America, as it's done mostly today, originated in the 1960s when, uh, what's her name, Timmy, went to Dr. His name was Frank Garreau, and this other dude was a huge part of it, Thomas Cronin. Why are they inventing something for women to put in their body to make them, quote, look better? Right. And what got me when you were saying that whole thing, like, today they say that plastic surgery is to, like, make them feel more natural to themselves. And it's like, what's natural? What's normal looking? Is it your normal? Right. But of course it's two dudes. Those two dudes. I'm a little annoyed. So those two dudes are who did her surgery. And when asked what inspired his design for the implant, he literally said a bag of blood. What? He like looked at a bag of blood in the hospital one day and was like, 
That would make an excellent fake titty. Do they still use silicone like that? I guess I don't know. They do use silicone implants. You can, you can still get silicone implants, yeah. That's but insane. But thankfully, the breast implant surgery has come a long way. Patients now have a wide range of breast implant treatment options, including the choice between, so here, saline and silicone. Okay. And allegedly, according to the site that I googled, I think it was just Wikipedia, you have to be 22 or older, but I don't think that's true. You can have a parent's consent and be like, I think upwards of 16 or 18 because yeah no i'm pretty sure at the age of 16 you can have a parent's consent because you can have a parent's consent to get a nose job tattoos and piercings yeah i got my nose pierced when i was 16 and i got my first tattoo when i was like 17 yeah all with my mom's consent it's not yours until you are legally 18 also fuck that is my body Breast augmentation surgery is the most popular cosmetic surgery procedure done in the U.S. today. Wow. Allegedly, most people just claim that it has helped countless women love the look of their breasts. That was the end quote from that dude's website. I shouldn't laugh because I know there are people out there that needed it. Do what you want. Get your titties done. I literally don't care. But when it comes to, like, putting your safe... No, see, my thing is, get your titties done if it's for you. Unless he's paying for them. Am I right? No. no, you still shouldn't get them for him. You gotta look at them all the time, and you have to carry them around, and you have to deal with them later in life. I don't think I would ever go through mm. an unnecessary surgery. No. Like, that freaks me the fuck out. Watch me be that one in million motherfucker that doesn't wake up from anesthesia rant. Or even worse, have you ever seen that movie Awake? Highly recommend. Everyone needs to watch it. It's a little rough, so it's about this guy. Oh my god, it's the best. It's about this guy, Christian Bale's in it, and Jessica Alba. Stop. Is that her name? What? Yes. I'm pretty sure. But it's about him and he has a bad heart. He's like this young guy, whatever, has bad heart. Goes in for this heart surgery and his body is paralyzed, but his mind is fully awake for the entire surgery. And that happens to one in like 3,000 Americans or, oh, it was some scary statistic. I was like, I don't want to be that statistic. Is it on Hulu? No, I think you have to like... I mean, legally rent or stream it. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We don't illegally stream that. I don't illegally. Do you do no, that? No, I don't even know what that is at all. What? Happy. Cool. Well, that was a wonderful topic. We got a little sidebar there at the end, but there's a lot of cool things in there that I definitely didn't remember. All right. Who did you do? I didn't even look at your document because I was like, I want to be totally surprised. Okay, but you're going to remember her because remember after I did all this research and we fake recorded this podcast, only then did you almost do my Stop, topic again. this is her. Do you remember? And you got a whole page into it and then suddenly you were like, this lady sounds familiar. And then you texted me and you were like, fuck, how didn't I know? And I'm sad because she is actually so fucking wonderful and I'm obsessed with her. Yeah, but didn't I research a different name? Yes, because she goes by multiple different spellings. So you were researching a different spelling of her name, but I'm doing Huda Shadawi. And I got my sources from AmazingWomenInHistory.com, Britannica, BBC, and Encyclopedia. I did obviously reference Wikipedia, but these ones were better, just to say it. Sorry, Wikipedia, we love you. Wikipedia, you are number one to us. Yep. Okay, so she was born in 1879 in 
Cairo, Egypt, to a very wealthy family. At this time, there was the caste system in Egypt. You know, like, based on your income and your, Mm -hmm. like, family heritage and stuff, you were put in this certain caste, you know, where you, like, couldn't marry outside your caste. At this time, it was really rough for women. So in the class that she was in, they had harems where all the men would live on one side of the house and then all the women daughters wives whatever would live on the other side of the house and they were like two separate homes you didn't intermingle and then the women were guarded wait don't they sorry don't they talk about this in hamilton yeah they say she says my sister wants to form a harem yeah it was very common to have multiple i don't want to say wives because they weren't really wives they had one wife and then they had a bunch of just like sex partners she was part of this harem system where she was guarded 24-7. She could not leave the property unless she had approval to leave the property and was escorted. And when she was out, she had to be completely veiled. Like nothing but the eyes? Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. At the time, and I know a lot of people, I have to say this, because a lot of people always associate veiling with traditional Muslim culture, but at this time in Cairo or Egypt, no matter what your religion was, it was more of a cultural tradition than a religious tradition. Okay. If you were Jewish, if you were Christian, if you were Muslim, Well, why? Was it, like, out of necessity because they needed to, like, block themselves from, like, sandstorms? No, you are women. You cannot be seen by the men. Strangers don't see you. That is so inappropriate for strangers to see what you look like. Got it. Yeah. But peasant women who lived in the countryside, zero fucks. So they could do whatever they wanted. So she is confined to her room. But she gets all these amazing tutors because her mom is a fantabulous woman and had her learn all these languages, calligraphy, history, arts. She was was getting a proper fucking education. It was all these things that women weren't usually allowed to learn. They would learn cooking and sewing. Right. But she firmly believed in, like, an all-around approach. Yes, an all-around approach, yeah. She's 13 and her father dies. So it was written into some weird contract that she would go and marry her 40-year-old cousin. Because it was like some legal binding contract to keep the money in the family, yes, some like yeah, whatever yeah. thing. But she was kind of a smarty pants about this because it happened and then they had to sign a contract. It was pretty much like a prenup, right. like a legal binding contract of their marriage. And she made him sign the contract stating that he would be her sole sex partner. Smart girl, get it. Yeah, because he had this little like girl on the side and he was like, promise, love you, babe. I would never do that. And then within the first year of their marriage, his mistress gets pregnant with his baby. Boys are so stupid. Yeah. And then she literally was like, wipe my hands clean. Thanks, hubby. I'm gonna leave you. And I'm gonna, like, do me. And she had every legal right to do that because he broke the contract, which was amazing. So she just leaves and then goes and continues studying and becoming, like, super fucking educated for the next seven years. So she was starting to realize that all this freedom was really amazing. And she was able to come and go as she pleased. And she didn't have to ask anybody for permission anymore. She didn't need to be supervised. And she didn't need to, like, do any of that shit. In 1900, Huda actually 
went and got back together with Ollie. So she like rejoined forces with him. And I don't think it was like a loving marriage, but it was definitely like you and I can really take each other far in this political stance and issue that we're in right now. So like we need to team up. Oh, work together. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, she goes back to him and she's like, I agree. That's amazing. Let's get remarried in a sense and I'll move back in. But then now, per tradition, she's in the house of a man. So she's not supposed to be learning or going out or doing anything that she was doing before because she's in the presence of a man. So now she needs to go back to her old wifey ways and not speak or do anything or help anyone. She wasn't happy about that. Right. I'm like, that doesn't Yeah, no, she was just like, fuck that. And then in 1908, she was the founder of the first humanitarian society run by Egyptian women. It was the first society that helped poor women and children and offered welfare services, and it was non-religious based. The only people that would do that service were people of God. Huda believed that by having women in charge of this, it would challenge, there was this thought going around that women were created for man's pleasure and are in need of his protection. So Huda founded this society because she's like, we don't need your fucking anything. I'm going to make this fucking society. It's going to be all women run and we're going to help other women and children. And we don't need to talk to any of you about it. That's super successful. And then in 1910, so just two years later, she opens the first ever school for young girls that focused on academics rather than teaching midwife skills. She was like, fuck that. You are learning science. You are learning math. You are learning, you know, languages and arts Damn. and, you know, societal stuff. And yeah, lots of cool things. Now she's doing all this. And I think Ollie's kind of just like... Huda, you're your own woman. Oh, Huda, haha, you do you. I'm just gonna like let you be whatever. Mm-hmm. And then she comes back to Ali, and they both are like, okay, we've each been doing our own political things. He's been creating some liberal party because at the time Britain still owns Egypt or is like still occupying. Yeah, occupying yeah. them. Yeah. So they're actually fighting for their freedom. There's like a whole mess of shit happening while Huda's doing all yeah. this wonderful stuff. There always is. The Egyptians are trying to create this national party to rebel against the Britain and liberate Egypt and become their own country and, you know, do all this stuff. So Huda and Ali get together and devise this plan. Huda was expanding all these educational opportunities for women. And while this whole, like, colonization issue is happening and rebellion and all this stuff, that's what Ali's dealing with. And Huda's over here gathering all the ladies, getting them all together for, like, afternoon tea Mm -hmm. and getting them together for, like, social nights and book nights and then they're all starting to be like wait we can just do this whenever we want we don't need to ask permission this is okay and huda's like yep that's yes yeah there's a life beyond this this. is what i'm telling you this is fucking amazing get the fuck out of the house yep get out suddenly all these women are just like what have i been doing with my life i've been confined to my home and i can only go out to go grocery shopping and come back and now i'm finding out that i can learn all these things It's like right now it's like quarantine but forever yes and then you're guarded and then your boyfriend they just get to leave whenever they want and do their own thing and you have to sit there and stare out the window 
be like, what the fuck? Right. And you have to ask your keeper if you can go to the store. Small porridge. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. Don't. They are getting pissed. And Huda's just kind of like the little mastermind. And she's like, yeah, get pissed. Mm-hmm. This sucks. Huda steps up and she's like, let's organize a protest, a demonstration. And all the ladies are like, let's do it. Right. This leads us to the Egyptian Revolution of 1919. This okay. revolution is what led to Egypt's freedom. Dope. This was the jumping off point of everything. At the time, you think about what I've told you so far about Egyptian women. Who would you think handles all the funds between the husband and the wife? The dude. He doesn't. That's the thing. At this time, Egyptian women held on to every single penny. They were in charge of the money. The man would bring it in with his work or whatever. He would provide the money. And then the women would make sure all the bills are paid because they were the ones that did the grocery shopping. They were the ones that manned the kitchen. They were the ones that did the linens and did all the, you know, decorating. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it was all under their name. All the money was under every single woman's name. Wow, that's kind of dope. Yeah, and the women know this, and they're the ones that do all the shopping. I mean, and also at the time, you know, the Britons owned everything. They owned the shops, they owned the banks. All the women on the same day went to all the banks, because the British owned all the banks, and took all their money out. Yeah. Found my account, give me my money. And then they refused to shop at any of the British stores. They started planting gardens and, like, getting their own resources, trading and making stuff for each other. And they're like, y'all want to be dicks? We can just do this ourselves. Yeah, we'll just figure it out ourselves. We don't need your stuff. And Huda was the one who led the whole thing. Yeah. And of course, this pissed the British off because the only reason that they colonized places is to make money off of them. That happened in 1919. And then in 1920, Huda created and became president of the Waftist. I don't know how to pronounce this. It's W-A-F-D-I-S-T. Waftists is Ali's liberal party that he created. And she created a separate women's central committee because only men were allowed to his party. And she's like, well, then I'm going to create a women's committee no. because that's dumb. Groups of women that have never gathered publicly, never been allowed to, have started to gather and do all this political activism and seek change and challenge the system and challenge no. the British. And finally, the British fucking gave up and they're just like, yep, have your country. Yeah. This is when Egypt was able to get their independence just two years later in 1922 thanks to Huda and then unfortunately Ali died pretty quickly after that I don't know if Huda was actually that devastated I'm pretty sure it was like more of a it wasn't a loving marriage I mean I'm sure they loved each other but it was like we are mutually helping each other move forward in life I have right. no lust for right. it like I'm not it wasn't a huge like detrimental loss yeah. in terms of right like a partnership yeah, yeah. I, I think that. it was pretty much like you were my partner you helped me do a lot of fucking great things and now I can continue on to still do great things because now that she's a widow she can kind of just like do whatever the fuck she wants yeah she's just creating a lot of stuff but she created the Egyptian Feminist Union which is still to this day an active nonprofit that focuses on women's suffrage and education that means that that's been around for almost a hundred years yeah yeah right when she's starting this group she hears that so basically when Egypt was fighting they realized they didn't have people they rallied all the women the women fought and then now that they have their independence the Egyptian government and all the men are like good job pretty much similar to World War II thank you so much for all the help you did but now just go back to what you were doing before forget all this I'm sorry go back and sit in your house no yeah they were all like excuse me what 
We are the reason we're fucking free. We are going right. to be just as fucking free as you are. We put in so much of that effort. Right. Puda was very pissed and she found out about it right at the time that she was invited to go to a conference in Europe. That's when all this was happening. So like on the way back from the conference, she devised this plan and she gets to Cairo. She gets off the train station and she's standing and she's famous at this time. You know, you have to think about that. She is a well-known name in Cairo and Egypt because of what she did for them. So she gets off and there's people like, oh my God. And she just stands there and takes her veil off in public. No woman has ever done this before. Right. I was going to say, isn't this like... You don't do that. And she just takes it off and everyone instantly just shuts up. They don't know what to do. And she just stands there and she's like, excuse me. Like, okay, I'm just going to like get through whatever. And then suddenly the whole station starts cheering and clapping, praising her. And women in the station start taking their veils off too. And all these other women are so empowered and they're like, it's that easy? I can just take it off. So all these women that felt like they were being trapped by the veil, you know, because obviously some women choose a veil because that is their belief and they're doing that for themselves. But a lot of these other women felt that they were forced to do it and that it was restrictive and they felt very strongly about it. Within 10 years of that event, the majority of women living in Egypt stopped wearing their veils. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, because all these women were like, this isn't what I really believe. Yeah. I felt like that was forced upon me and now I get to choose. So I just have a few little quick facts to wrap her up. She led the feminist union for the remainder of her life and became the president of the Arab Feminist Union in 1945. And then she died in 1947 and the Egypt Feminist Union was changed to Shadawi. Society for the Feminist Cute. Renaissance in tribute to Huda. To honor her. Yep, oh, to honor her. It. If any of you want to learn more, she does have a memoir. She journaled a lot and wrote down a lot of her things that happened to her throughout her life and they printed it in 1982. So I need to journal more. You do, because if anything happens to you and you like did something monumental in history... Nobody's going to know my story. Who lives, who dies, who tells I'll tell story. it. Don't worry. We secretly are obsessed with Hamilton. But yeah, that's Huda for you. She's fucking cool. And I'm sad that I didn't learn about her. I mean, I didn't learn a lot about the Middle East, unfortunately. No, nothing. That was a really good topic. Yeah. I'm glad we actually got to record it this yeah. time. And they're both topics that, I don't know, I'd be curious to know more about the whole, like, plastic surgery industry. It seems so fucked, but at the same time, like, I don't want to tell anyone they shouldn't do what they want to their body. But at the same time, I'm like, hey. Leave it alone. Don't fix what ain't broke. Very mixed feelings. You're fucking perfect just the way you are. Unless your nose is physically broken. Right. And you need plastic right. surgery. Right. do it. Yeah. But no, you're, I'm on the same page. To each your fucking own, but like, all I'm saying is it's an I statement. It's not for I, me. It's not <laughs> for I me. would prefer not to do that. Whoa. I think the pain part of it terrifies me. Not the actual having it, just like the process of getting it in there. I've seen too many saws. You watch a lot of horror movies. Yeah, it's true. I watch a lot of horror movies. I think that's what it is. It's so true. All right. Well, here, uh, let's okay. cheers it out here. And then cheers we cheers. Will... Until next time, Yay. my friend. Until next time. Thanks for teaching me. Okay, bye. See our corresponding Instagram posts for any additional resources, or feel free to reach out to our direct email at untoldhistory, spelled H-I-G-H-S-T-O-R-Y, at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Like, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram.